Um, before we begin, just a couple of announcements for you. Um, they'll be very brief. Um, first of all, obviously, uh, we have a lot of things going on in the fall, and so I want to encourage you to be looking at our utown.org slash info site to get some of those uh, um, some of that information about some of the th- upcoming events, particularly Trunk or Treat, all of those fun things. Um, <clears throat> on, on top of that, tomorrow evening here at the church at 7 p.m., I know there's a bunch of ladies' Bible studies going on as well, uh, but tomorrow we're going to meet out in the lobby area and go from there. We are going to have a, a time of elder-led prayer. That means as your elder team is going to engage with you and we, they're going to lead our time of praying together, and it is going to be a direct application of what we've been talking through last week, what we'll talk about today, talking about lament and what that means for each of us. So uh, that's coming up tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I would invite you to be here, encourage you to be here um, for that. Uh, after second service, somewhere around 12, 10, 12, 15, depending on when the guy up here with the microphone stops talking, uh, after second service in room 104, uh, we'll be having our first informational meeting about a trip that I get to lead to Israel in February of 2024. Um, I got to go this last February. It was overwhelming. Um, I don't want to spend all my time here. I'll talk about it, certainly. I, I've got 16 months to talk about it. You don't think I'm going to talk about it a few times? I've got plenty of time, so <clears throat> we'll get there. Um, two other uh, quick things for you. First, um, thank you for praying. Um, many of you received our email and our updates online about one of our elders, Mike Clevenger. Mike and his family have been going through it since November, December of 2019. It's been three years of ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And the doctors this week performed what to me is absolutely miraculous, uh, a transplant, uh, a bowel transplant on Mike, which is way extensive. Um, Mike went through the surgery well. It was overnight Monday into Tuesday morning. Um, By Tuesday night, they had extubated him, and Holly was able to go in and speak with Mike. A couple of us have talked with him this week. How crazy is that, right? Um, Yeah, praise God. There is a long way to go. He's going to be in the hospital for months. Uh, There's another surgery that is tentatively planned for tomorrow. I mean, it's just going to go for a while, so please keep praying. We will keep updating you. This week, just maybe, maybe just today, I want to, before I, I, I start, I'm going to pray. I want to encourage you to pray specifically for Holly, Cass, and Becca. It's one thing for us, we need to keep praying for Mike's body, the doctors, but, but those three girls have been through it with Mike. And um, the next months and year are going to be particularly trying to them. So why don't we pray now? So join me in praying. Father, thanks for your goodness to us. God, I am sorry that I complain so much about things that don't matter. I'm reminded even in this moment of of how good you are, that you have given wisdom that is just unbelievable to men and women to be able to perform such, such surgeries as were done this week with Mike. I pray you would be in Mike's body. I pray that rejection would not happen, that his body would accept this transplant, that you would fill him with energy and strength that he would heal quickly. And I pray your protection over Holly, Cass, and Becca. I know they're overwhelmed 
and now separated out of necessity to a degree. I pray you would keep them healthy, protect them during the flu season. I pray that you would allow them to be able to see and interact with Mike a number of times. Keep their hearts encouraged. May we as their family surround them with love and continue to lift them to the throne of grace. God, we carry them into your presence because you're the only one that can do anything about this. And we ask that you would. I pray for our time together this morning that you would soften hearts and that you would allow us to engage what it is that your spirit is calling us into. For it's in Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> last week, um, on average, this doesn't really matter a whole lot, but on average I get between 5, 10, 11, 12 emails on a Monday morning about sermon on Sunday. Um, this week, we... We crushed that one, gang. Thanks. I came in Monday morning. I was like, what have I done? Um, but no, they were, they were incredibly encouraging and helped me know you better and love you better and pray for you better. But one resounding piece of feedback that I was given was that if we're going to continue in this series, there better be tissues. So if you look on the floor next to your aisles, there are tissues everywhere. So, and if you're not close enough to one, just grab a neighbor's sleeve and that'll be fine. If you weren't with us last week, you're like, what is happening? We started a series on lament. Lament. So what is, what is lament? Lament. Let me put this up here for you. Lament is the honest cry of the child of God living in the tension between pain and the promise of God. Lament is the act of praying, turning to God after heartache and frustration and loss. And you run into his presence because you, in fact, are talking to the only one who can do anything about it. But when you cry to him, it needs to be honest. And too often we sanitize it, right? We cover it with the these, thou's, and whithersoever thou goest. And reality was is we need to go to him with the brutal honesty of what it is that we are walking through, what it is we are feeling, what it is that is, is our reality day in and day out, the emotions, the pain, the hurt. We just need to run into his presence. And when we dump that bucket on God, it doesn't make you weak in faith and it doesn't cause him to be disappointed in you. We talked about that last week. When, when, when we are told in First Peter to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you, it doesn't mean just cast the the neat, tidy ones. It means cast them all in the brutal honesty and the ugliness of the moment. Cast them all. And the reason for lament is because we live in this tension. We live in this, this space in between, right? We live in this place where, where there is brokenness because sin has marred the good creation of God to the place where everything is working towards loss, But the tension that we have as children of God is this. We can celebrate the fact that we know where this is going. We know that he's going to come and he's going to renew it and he's going to bring the broken back to the the wonderful way it was created. And so lament exists because sin exists. Lament exists because loss exists, because grief exists. Lament really is a language. It's a language of grief. And and I've told you last week, uh, I have become more passionate about the idea of lament than I ever expected. As I've looked at it over the last year, year and a half, and done studying on it and reading countless books, which I will give you resources towards the end of the series for sure, 
in all of that, the one thing I keep, and, and it's kind of a weird picture, but I just keep cuddling into and finding comfort in. Is that in John 11, Jesus came face to face with loss. He saw his friend, his friend's family, grieving because his friend Lazarus was dead. John 11.35, Jesus wept is the most overused verse because it's the shortest verse and we all think we're brilliant by saying, ha ha, I know one. It's one of the most profoundly powerful verses in Scripture and packed with hope. Let's not run to the end of the story. Let's not skip the hurt. We need to give ourselves a moment to acknowledge the hurt because that, in fact, as we'll talk about later this morning, is what helps us develop and deepen this relationship with God. You know why? Because God longs to meet with you in your hurt. It's not that God shows up here when our worship is is joyous enough or we raise enough hands or we clap on beat. God wants to meet with you in your hurt. Psalm 34, one of my favorite verses of all time. God is is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. So last week, I, I, I was a little inconsistent. I asked you to grab cards and write down the thought the moment, the event, the name, the place of of something that that represented to you that hurt, that pain that we all struggle with to a degree, but but that specific one for you. And in second service, I actually said, hey, if you want to turn them in, turn them in. I didn't say that first service. However, even without saying that, I, I, I got more than 75 cards given to me. Some of you personally, some threw them in the box, some dropped them on my desk, some just all over the place. And and this is my takeaways as I read through those cards. Overwhelming. Some of the hurt you're going through is overwhelming to me. I can't imagine what it's like for you. Um, You're not alone. One of the most profound things that I found in just that sampling of cards is there was no outlier. Every single one had a match. Every single one had somebody else who was going through something similar or even the exact same thing. So you're not alone. And the last thing that occurred to me is we need to know how to move through this, not past this. We don't need to get past it. We need to get through it. So as I was praying and contemplating this morning, one of the things I wanted to make sure is we didn't rush to the end of the story. We're going to get there. We're going to be in Psalm 13, and we're going to get to the end of the story. But after reading the cards, what impacted me, and what, what reminder came to mind is we tend to not have a language for some of what we're going through. And, and it was God. Um, song came up, and so I've asked Jeremy and the team if they wouldn't mind praying a prayer for us musically this morning. And maybe these are your words. This is your specific situation. This is your event, your name, your time, your place, your hurt. Please allow this to be your prayer this morning. Psalm 13 says this. 
How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Those questions that the psalmist is asking are incredibly real. Life's hard. I'm ready to give up. I don't know when the end is going to come. I need an answer. How long? And then it shifts, doesn't it? It shifts away from the timing. Like, why are you hiding from me, God? Do you even care? Have you asked God that question? Do, do you even care? Does, do you even love me? Okay, wait, no, no, no. I know God loves me. I'm positive of that. God loves me. I know that. Do you like me? If you cared about me, then why am I feeling this? If you cared about me, God, then why did this happen? Why did they say that? Why did this occur in my life? Why can't this happen? Why am I experiencing this loss? If you really cared about me, and then he continues, like my, my anxiety, it just rolls on top of itself. I'm wrestling with these thoughts over and over again. Those anxious concerns just keep coming back as you play the recording in your mind over and over and over and over. These are real, they're hurtful, and they're painful. Well, what's, what's he talking about? Well, the beauty is he doesn't tell us. So you get to fill in the blank. What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you are obsessing over? What questions are you at? When, when, God, when are you going to heal this heartache? When are you going to give me what I need? When does this go away? When, when does the joy return? When does the happiness happen? When, when, when does all this pain, this agony, this, this gut feeling, you know what I'm talking about, right? This feeling in your gut, it's like, even, even, even if you've navigated through some of the difficulties and you get to the other side of the difficulties, you still have this gut because you're just waiting for it to come up and bite you again, right? God, do you even care that I feel like this? Uh, um, a couple of the reasons that that's so profound for us, why those feelings are so real as believers in Jesus Christ, as those children of God, as those who have put their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, part of the reason that we fall for that, that feeling, why the feelings come crowding in, is because we've bought two lies. The first one is, God's not going to give you anything that you can't handle. That's a lie. God is going to continue to give you things that you can't handle. You know why? Because he wants you to run to him. He'll never give you something he can't handle. That, that's what Paul talks about. I mean, some of you are looking at me funny, so let me, let me give you a verse. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, verse 8, look it up afterwards. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction. What's interesting is Paul says, hey, I don't want you to fall for the lie. I want you to be aware of what's going on. We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength. We even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. That doesn't sound like modern preaching, does it? Why did those things happen to Paul of all people? He answers it so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. You need to normalize feeling like you're over your skis a little too far. You need to normalize the feeling that this is hard. And remove the lie that everybody just goes through life easily. And there's never difficulty for normal people, so I must be abnormal. God will regularly give you things that are greater than you can handle. But he'll never give you something bigger than he can't handle. The other lie we buy into is God's people don't suffer. Well, that's baloney. God's people suffer. All you got to do is turn on the news, folks. I don't care what news station you watch. It's everywhere. I work with an organization called Christian Freedom International. We work with the persecuted believers around the world. And I can't even begin to explain to you some of the things that are happening in North Korea to those who know and love Jesus Christ. I can't begin to explain to you the persecution that our Chinese brothers and sisters are experiencing right now. Oh, it must be because they're not being very obedient. Nope! They're more faithful believers than any of us in this room, maybe all of us combined. Difficulty comes even to those who know God. The problem is that we have pitched this message that if you come to Jesus, then you will have health, wealth, the ability to sleep at night, and your team might even win the Super Bowl. And when you fall for those lies, and then you make your dwelling a world that is broken and falling, it messes with your head. Well, if God's with me, then why? How could I possibly be losing? Why am I hurting? If God's really with me, does he even care? The, the, the psalmist, I mean, he's very clear. He's thinking. He's actually putting into words the fact that he thinks God has forgotten about him. In your time of grief and pain and hurt, run to him. Vocalize it to him. Talk to him, but don't let it in there. Look at, look at the request that he makes starting in verse 3. God, consider me. Answer me, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy is going to say I have triumphed over him. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Consider me. Answer me, he says. Look at me, God. Answer me. I, I don't know if you've ever had a tense interaction with someone. I never have. <laughs> and you need their, look at me. Look at my eyes. Okay, and then it's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Now answer me. Don't just look at me. The psalmist is doing this with God. And he says, light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. He says, help me understand what's going on because if you don't, I might die. Now, is that really going to happen? Maybe. Probably not. But I guarantee you, every single person in this room has felt that way. It 
feels true. And don't hide from this. Don't pretend you haven't felt it. Don't downplay it. This is real. This is real hurt. This is real frustration. These are real questions because this is real life. And my fear, my fear is that many of us play the false prophet of Jeremiah chapter 29, where God's people are going through it and they're really struggling and they're crying out to God and the false prophet's like, hey, just another couple days and God's going to come and save you. And then Jeremiah steps in and says, couple days, nothing. You're going to be here for years in exile. Now, God does have a plan for you to prosper you, to, to bless you. He does have a plan for you to protect you and care for you. But guess what? In the meantime, you live in this brokenness. He's not going to remove the pain. Don't believe what the plastic smiles people say. You can insert your own name there as to who I might be talking about with plastic smiles and a lot of blinking. Your best life is not going to be now. Thank God. Because if this is as good as it gets, we're hosed. Amen? Never amen to hosed word, have you? I don't know if I've ever said preaching, so we'll, I'll let you know how the emails go tomorrow. Um, <laughs> don't fake it. Don't fake it. Stop faking some of you, some, this is, it's an old example, but it works all the time. You drove here, and it was like World War III going on in the car. Until you pulled up next to somebody, you're like, Would you guys just be quiet? I'm like, good morning, may the Lord bless you this morning. It's good to see you. So glad to be in church in the Father's house today. We're going to worship. Woohoo! Right? My dad was famous for this. My dad, my dad was a, he had some anger issues. <laughs> But when the phone rang, everything was wonderful. And so he'd be like, Yo, you go clean your room, and why aren't you mowing the lawn? Yellow. Don't fake it. Run to him. Bring your complaint to him. Be honest with him. Ask him to fix this. Please understand this. When you roll up on Jesus and you tug on his robe, he doesn't roll his eyes at you. He loves to be pestered by his children. Pester him. But it can't stop there. It can't stop there. The lament has to continue. It can't just stop there. You must trust in his character, not in your feelings. Trust in his character. Look at verse 5. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I'll sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. The psalmist is saying is that the ever-present, unchanging God has loved you with an unfailing love, and that's where you need to put your confidence. Your prayer of lament needs to move. And, and don't jump the first parts just to get to the happy parts. But you have got to get to the place where you are confessing your trust in him. And here's, here's the problem. The reality is we hear that, we're like, ah, I still feel this way, though. I mean, I'm still, I am still torn up. 
And in the same breath, I'm supposed to ask for help. That, that, that's the picture, isn't it? That's the picture. I believe! <laughs> help my unbelief. It's, we've talked to staff, uh, we do our staff devotions on Wednesday, if you haven't picked up on that yet. This has come up a number of times, um, but this week, or last week, and then again this week. Um, one of the great theologians that many of you are unaware of, his name is Daniel the Tiger. <laughs> Daniel the Tiger has a song that talks about how it's okay to feel two things at once. And man, is Danny the Tiger right? Because in this moment, your faith doesn't become superhuman. You know truth. You still have feelings. Okay, this is going to be a little, a little tricky. God never promised your heartaches would go away. You know what he did promise, though? He promised to love you, to give you the grace you need for each and every moment, to be present with you, and then one day to make all things right. That's what he promised you. He promised to love you. How, how do you know he loves you? How is it proven 1 John 4.10 says this, this is love. Not that you looked at God and like, you are so lovable, I love you. No, no, not that you loved God. But that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You want a picture of love? God looked at you on your worst day and said, I'll take that one to be my child. See, we live in the shadow of the cross on this side. We, we live in the shadow of an empty tomb. So that's the advantage we have over all the Old Testament saints is they had put their hope in something yet unseen. We get to look back and be like, that's how he loved me. God promises to love you. He gave you his son. God promises to give you the grace you need in that moment. Which bears the question, well, why wouldn't God just give me all the grace I need right now? Like, like a, one of those, those power pellets that Pac-Man used to eat. Just fill me full now. So then, bam, right? I'm loaded up, and then I can, I'm ready for the discouraging moments. I'm ready for when, when my parents fight again. I'm ready for that bill that comes in the mail unexpectedly. I'm ready for the, the doctor telling me that I'm really sick. I'm ready for my car to die. I'm ready for all of these things. And, and so I can walk boldly and confidently into the face of all those struggles and the hurt and the pain and the fear. And then I wouldn't even need God. And you just answered the question. That's why, that's why the children of Israel were only permitted to grab a day's worth of manna in the wilderness. Any fool could have stocked up and thrown it in the, in the, 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 the storage facility and then been fine and taken care of their family for weeks and only had to do it once a week. And God said, no, 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 no. I want you every morning to walk outside your tent and look in the ground and realize God is providing me exactly what I need in this moment. And when you see that, it leads you to cling to him, to call out to him, seeking him every day, because he's all you got. God will give you what you need for this moment in abundance. The ever-present, unchanging God has loved you with an unfailing love. And he is present with you in your difficulty. He says that he is going to, he's, ah, verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has He's treated me generously. What is more generous than, than being with you? What is more generous than the king of all kings, the God of the universe, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God 
stooping to your level to be present with you each and every moment. What is more generous than that? That's the pattern of God. You see it in his dealings with the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You see it in his dealings with Joseph. You see it in Elijah. You see it in the book of Judges. You see it in the book of Daniel. You see it with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for sure. That's his pattern is to be with us, but it's also his promise to be with us. So let's, let's, let's see if the remote's going to play nice this week. It does, good. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Don't fear, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I'll hold on to you with my righteous right hand. That is the ever-present God in the life of the child of God. Listen to what he says after that. Oh, there we go. This is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Hold on. Who's calling you by name? You know, realize that, right? Um, there, there, there have been moments, and I wish, I do, I beg God regularly for this transformation in my mind. I am, an, I am the worst at names. It's, it's appalling to me. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to literally stand in front of me like, ah, I haven't, good to see you. My name's Frank, and your name is Mike. Good to meet you, Mike. Right, and I use all the tricks, like Mike, Mike, my Mike, banana, man, my Mike. I mean, I'm, I'm doing everything. Everything. I'm using your name obnoxiously 4,000 times in our conversation. I actually have a little book. Uh, it used to be black until I met some girls, and I was like, let me write down your names in my black. We're not doing that anymore. So I'm Mike. It's Mike. It's Mike. And then I describe, okay, kind of looks like a guy that I know from high school. Okay, cool. And then I turn around, and I'm like, and Bill? I, I so wish it wasn't like that, but it's like that. My kids, even my poor children, have had to deal with it. We all do that as parents, but I think I got a little extra. And it's not because I don't want to know your name. It's just, I have a block and I don't understand it. So it's amazing to me to come into the presence of a guy. So there's, and I won't use his name. There's a fellow in a huge church, interacts with hundreds upon hundreds of people every week, teaches just class after class after class. I meet him twice for a total of maybe 20 minutes. And then I'm, I'm at a conference, a little seminar this summer, and I walk away, he's like, Frank, Maryland, right? It's like, where's the name tag? The God, without whom nothing exists, who is independently responsible for every single one of you sitting here breathing the air that you are breathing right now. Every beat of your heart, every blink that you do with your eyelashes that you are now going to become incredibly aware of, even though before you were not. The God who created all and sustains all calls you by name. And he don't need a book. But it goes more than just knowing your name. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. The rivers are not going to overwhelm you. 
When you walk through the fire, you'll not be scorched, and the flame is not going to burn you. He is present with us. He has promised to be present with us. One of the most precious promises, Psalm 23, even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So if you're crawling through a valley right now, contemplate those verses. Meditate on those verses. He is with you. He's with you in the valley. He's with you in the darkness. He's with you in the raging waters. He's just as with you in your darkest day as he is in your most celebratory moment. He's with you when you don't see him. He's with you when you don't sense him. You are not alone. And and the psalmist had to work through that, didn't he? How long? I give up. And yet, I will Trust in your faithful love. I will anchor myself in your character and not my feelings, but in my feelings are real. This is really how I feel, but I'm going to anchor all that I do in who you are, knowing that you have promised to be present with me. And here we go, friends. You want to know that he is present with you? It doesn't get better than this. This virgin is going to become pregnant. She's going to give birth to a son, and they're going to name him He is with us. Do you need that today? I do. I've given up on a few things. And I know that breaks God's heart. And it's my sin that I need to own. What I need to recognize is no matter how hard this is right now, no matter how thick the water seems or how hot the flames are, God is with us. He fulfilled the promise to be with us, to love us, to give us the grace that we need for each and every moment. Don't hide from the reality of what you're feeling, but anchor yourself in the character of God and not your feelings. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth that we are not alone. Oh, I, I, There is no message, there are no words that I can say that that highlights it and emphasizes it enough that we are not alone. There is no message or, or words that I can say that, that brings validation to the real hurt and pain that people are feeling because we feel it. We feel it every day. We feel it every moment. We feel it even every hour. So God, I pray you would meet us in our weakness. I thank you that, that you're not demanding us to be, just, just rub some dirt on it. You, you are demanding us to come to you with our arms open, leaning into you and knowing that you have promised to be present with us and you are going to come to our aid. Thank you for saving us when we are broken. Thank you for drawing near when we're hurt. Lord, I pray that in this moment, in this room right now, we would all understand more fully that you walk with us. May we anchor our trust in who you are and forever reap the benefits. It's in the name of the ultimate picture of your presence, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you.